Hello, and welcome to Unabridged, the weekly podcast where teachers take on books. This is Sarah. Join us for bookish episodes and a monthly book club pick. This is Ashley. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Unabridged Pod, or go to our website, unabridgedpod.com, where the books we read are linked for purchase. This is Jen. Check out our Teachers Pay Teachers store, our Patreon page, and our newsletter. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts to support us. You want opinions about books? We've got them. Hey, and welcome to Unabridged. Today we're discussing read-alike ideas and lit circles, and we are looking forward to talking about how we think those can work. But before we get started, I just want to take a minute to say, if you haven't checked out our website recently, we have a lot of, we've had a, a bit of an upgrade, and we have a lot of good things going on on there. We have bookish faves and book reviews coming out every week in addition to our episodes and show notes. And we also have some great resources for all the book lovers. So that's at unabridgedpod.com. Okay, ladies. So before we get started with read-alikes, let's talk about our bookish check-in. What are you reading this week, Sarah? Well, I just finished a, a couple episodes ago or a few episodes ago, I had talked about just having started Axton Betts Hamilton's The Less People Know About Us, and I just finished it this week, and I really enjoyed it. It was, uh, it was a very interesting read, and I thought that what I learned and her whole, the life that she lived, she had to deal with identity theft, and I thought it was fascinating. So it was a good read. It was a quick read, which I'm always here for. And I really liked it. So I was happy with that choice. Awesome. What about you, Jen? So I am also talking about one I just finished. That is Jojo Moyes' The Giver of Stars. And I just loved it. So it is about, it, it takes place during the 1930s. And it is about the Kentucky Pack Horse Library Service, which was part of Franklin Roosevelt's WPA. Uh, aimed at helping relieve some of the results of the Great Depression, but it takes place in a small Kentucky town, and it it focuses on this group of women who are trying to get the library service to happen and try to sustain it. I just, warm is, I think, the best word to describe it. I just love the sense of community the women built, and they had to deal with a lot of misogyny in the town, but the way they dealt with it was great. And each each main character is quite different from the others and deals with a different set of challenges. But the way they come together and support each other and build a community, I just absolutely loved. There's great historical details there. But yeah, I was I was thrilled to read it. It was just, it hit the spot for me. Awesome. So I also am going to talk about one I just finished. <laughs> That's so funny. But I just finished Brittany Morris's Slay, and I loved it. I Jen had mentioned this one to me and had recommended it, and I came across it on Scribd for audio, and so went ahead and downloaded it, and I'm just so glad I did. It is about a, it's YA, and it is about a teen who is developing a video game, a VR video game that's very complex, and she is navigating all these things in her real life, but then also she has this video game that she's been working on for three years and no one in her life, including her sister, her best friend, her boyfriend, her family, none of them are aware of her 
building this video game. And so she, and in the game, which now has over 500,000 people participating, she is an anonymous, the creator is anonymous and just, she's just known by her avatar. And so I just loved how in some ways she was really struggling with just typical teen issues. And she's particularly navigating racial issues in a predominantly white private school as a black student. And so she's navigating a lot of that, but then also in the, in the, video game she's created it so that only black people can play and so I really appreciated how it I think that Morris just does a great job of looking at the complexities of race and why a black teen would want a space Mm -hmm. where only black people can participate and I just think she shows such empathy for that but then also there's a lot of of course a lot of people once once it comes out that that is the case there's a lot of criticism mm-hmm. of that. And Kiera, even though people don't know it's her, is listening to all this criticism of how dare someone make this space that's so exclusionary and why would somebody do that? And I just think that she does a great job of showing why people need a safe space, but also how that can be really complicated. Mm-hmm. And particularly when it comes to race, it can just be such a hard thing to navigate. And I think that what I really appreciate about the book is just that Maura shows that there's not a right way to be. There's not one way mm-hmm. to be. And there's not one way to advocate for social justice. And there's not one way to handle the oppression and history of racism that Americans have dealt with for such a long time and so like I just loved it I thought it was great and I would love to see more people reading it because I think that it has gone I just haven't seen as much for as phenomenal as I thought it was as a book I would love to see more people talking about it because I just thought it was great so that was a long explanation on that one I really loved it maybe I'll trim that down for you all but anyway (laughs) I loved it so to get started with our read-alikes we Ladies, y'all just want to talk a bit about what we mean by read-alikes and also how you might use them in book clubs or in the classroom? Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, read-alikes are books that that are different but kind of congregate around the same theme, mm-hmm. themes and ideas that so like in the class I'll go I'll say about in the classroom yeah. in the classroom you can use them in lit circles so you kind of select a theme and something that you want your students to get out mm-hmm. of the book they read but then they then you offer them choice and select books surrounding that theme that will kind of teach them about whatever it is that your goal is for that mm-hmm. that particular unit yeah and so I have done them on theme, but I've also done them on format. Like mm-hmm. we were doing a memoir unit, and so I asked my students all to read memoirs so that they had examples. So we did lit circles based on that. I think you could also do you could do literature circles, which would be small groups of students. They're reading the same book, but then the topic is overall the same. So general topic, and then small groups reading books. That's nice because then they get that close discussion with a small group of kids. But they also have the opportunity to talk with the whole class about the way that larger idea plays out in a multitude of ways. And I think if you're looking at it as a modeling opportunity, then you get a lot more models than you would if you were teaching just one book. I also did that with independent books. So, for example, I did a social justice unit and the kids or social social issues more generally and the kids could all pick different social issues but everyone had to pick independently a book related to 
a social issue. And then again, there was that opportunity for sharing, but there was a lot more choice, which they enjoyed. And I, I liked, I didn't do that all the time, but I liked giving kids that opportunity to choose. I sort of alternated that with whole class reads. And I think in a book club, it's basically the same mm-hmm. thing that you, like Jen said, you choose a format or a theme yeah. or something that ties the, all the books together, but then everybody chooses their own book and that same thing. And then you get together to, together to discuss mm-hmm. the books surround kind of like in the context of that theme or idea. Right. Yeah. 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 And I think part of why the three of us started thinking about this is because there are a lot of books that we thought are really great in the classroom, Mm -hmm. but a lot of them we're not sure would reach every kid. So then when we're thinking about recommendations to teachers, I feel like that's kind of what led us down this pathway of thinking about the read-alikes because something like The Hate You Give, all Mm -hmm. three of us absolutely love and think it's phenomenal in the classroom. And I definitely think you can teach that whole class, but it is a longer book. Yeah. It is going to be harder to reach for some students just because of the difficulty of the text Mm -hmm. and so then that kind of led us to think about well there are other books that also address police brutality and what are some of those Mm -hmm. books that are great and that would be great in the classroom and that kind of led us to thinking about what are the commonalities between Mm -hmm. them so yeah I think I think the point I think the point of lit circles is that that common experience of reading about a theme, but also yeah. meeting each kid where they're at in terms mm-hmm. of reading level. And again, it goes kind of back to that accessibility of the information yeah. for the students, because there are students who would fly through the hate you give, but some students that would take that they haven't read that that long mm-hmm. of a book and their whole life. So I think that that's what lit circles do so well in the classroom. It provides opportunities for everybody to read something in the same theme mm-hmm. or genre but it also allows the teacher to meet each kid at their his or her own level. Yeah. And I think for book clubs, that's really interesting because one reason I like book clubs is because sometimes it pushes me to read books that I wouldn't pick for myself, but some people yeah. are very resistant to that idea. And so I think for them, it's more inviting to say, okay, we're all going to read a book about, I don't know, World War II. Everybody pick one. And so then if you prefer nonfiction or you want to read YA, you have the space to do that but you can still be part of the discussion. So, yeah, I I do think it would be interesting to try that. I'm in two book clubs right now. I've been in several more and none of them have ever done it, but I do think there's something very appealing about it. Yeah. But, uh, and I, and just <laughs> there's a strange sound outside that we're all wondering I think about. That's I think probably the recycling truck. I was thinking it was a tire speaking. Yeah, so what are some of the benefits of choice? I think that we've kind of touched on that, mm-hmm. but I don't know if you, yeah, we could just highlight what are some things that, that we've seen that have been beneficial mm-hmm. and that might be beneficial for people? Well, I think anytime you can give students choice, it gives them agency to make a decision mm-hmm. that is the best thing for them. So I, while a lot of times there's a lot <laughs> Sorry, happening we're still outside. experiencing the truck <laughs> issues. <laughs> And when I was teaching in eighth grade, a lot of times I felt paralyzed by allowing students to read something that, like for them to be able to choose Mm. a novel that I possibly couldn't, might not have read. So that was really scary for me as a teacher. But... The, but giving them that, like empowering them to be able to look at books and make their own choice, that was a really good experience to them. So I just powered yeah, through yeah. and, you know, made it work for them because and a lot of times they will, they, they will, 
the books that they pick, then they are going to love them. Whereas if I would mm-hmm. have assigned a book, they might if there was a greater chance that they wouldn't have been able to engage with that. So yeah. I think the risk is worth the reward, but I do think it requires us as teachers to step mm-hmm. outside of our comfort zone because you're not going to be able to read every single book they might possibly pick. And let's yeah. in lit circles where you're choosing like a selection, you have a little bit more control. But if you're actually doing mm-hmm. something like you were talking about with with themes and then they pick a book within that theme but any book that they want I mean that that's a lot of books yeah so you're not going to have that control that you would have like if you did a class novel right yeah and I just at first I was very uncomfortable with that I am a control freak (laughs) but eventually I just of a lot of teachers yeah Yeah, I just came to understand that it was just a different reading experience Mm -hmm. and so while I think there are a lot of great things about whole class reading, I do feel like, Sarah, like you said, you lose a lot of kids. Mm-hmm. And and so I just came, they, they would have these awesome conversations and maybe they weren't hitting every literary element that we would have if we'd been talking about it as a whole class, yeah. but that's okay. Sometimes too, Ashley, you did this too, I think. I would teach a whole novel, like I would teach Fahrenheit 451 whole class and then we would do a paired lit circle to accent some of the things that I wanted them to pick up on from the book. So like we did Fahrenheit 451 and then everyone had to pick a dystopian. This was the era of when like every book was a dystopian <laughs> YA book. And they I had feel to like choose. we haven't gotten out of that <laughs> well, <that's yet>. true. <laughs> but yeah, so then in small groups, they could choose others that they wanted to read. And it was really interesting for them to talk about, okay, so why is dystopian still sticking around? How do these compare to Bradbury's vision? And, and so, yeah, in some ways, I still felt like I had some control, which was comforting. Mm-hmm. But I also felt like it enriched their reading experience. That's another way. We talked recently about classics versus YA. And I think that's another way that you can do both. So you, you get the benefit of teaching the classic and having that rich reading experience while also acknowledging that there are other rich reading experiences that are more current. Sorry, that was a long soapbox well, answer. Well, and I think validating <laughs> students – that they that they are able to pick a book too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think that they that they are able to take part in their their education, mm-hmm. and that they are able to pick things that matter to them. Right. I think that I mean, like I think that creates this trust between you and your students mm-hmm. that makes a big difference. My son actually came home. He is um, in lower middle, and he came home, and his teacher is doing. They're calling it book club, and uh, they get to pick a book, and so he and two of his friends are reading the same book. I mean, and just the fact that he got to choose his own book and that his teacher didn't assign mm-hmm. uh, the same book to everyone, I mean, he thought that was great, Aww. and he is really enjoying the experience, which as a parent, that also makes me really happy yeah. because yeah. he is often resistant to read new things, and he found this new book that he really likes. And so as a parent, too... That makes me really happy that he's getting that experience and be, being able to make some choices. That's great. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's nice to see both that the students have the agency to choose and also that I think that when we pick something, we're more likely to be open to reading it yeah. also. Mm-hmm. So even if it winds up being, I mean, I think that would be a benefit with book club also that sometimes we go into something, like you said, Jen, I do appreciate being pushed to read a book that I might not have chosen mm-hmm. otherwise. But I think sometimes people have this experience of they've already decided they're going to hate the book. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how great the book mm-hmm. is because the decision's already been made. And I think that can be true for students on the opposite end that they have chosen the book and they're going to love it. Yeah. And it may not be perfect, but because they got to choose it and because they are 
in some I mean it just influences the way that you see the book and I think mm-hmm. that can be it it's kind of funny because it can be bringing a bias that makes them then love the book right <laughs> even if the book is terrible but I think <laughs> but I think that can really work yeah. to teachers advantage mm-hmm. and to the advantage mm-hmm. of the students like you said with your son you know that he's gonna love it even if the book is not phenomenal because it's the experience that right. he's really enjoying and yeah. that's really valuable well and I think if one of our goals is to make kids who are readers who are lifelong readers I think that kind of practice is more likely to help them understand who they are as readers and what kind of books mm-hmm. they gravitate yeah. toward and how do you choose a book than us always being the ones who are choosing the book and handing it to the kids. Yeah. I also really fast I wanted to say we're talk we're reading this brain science book in our division and one thing that came up that I thought was interesting is learning as a novice versus learning as an versus learning as an expert. And I do know there were books that I taught every year for like 10 years. And I would notice these tiny details that I thought were just brilliant. And I would try to talk to my kids about them. And they looked at me. (laughs) You can imagine how they looked at me when I'm pointing out like, oh, my gosh, the use of the color on this page. Right. So I do think there's something in them being the leaders of that and the leader being a novice who hasn't read the book Mm -hmm. before that they can experience it. They experience it themselves and that they don't have a teacher me over them, pushing them to get beyond the first reading experience is really valuable. So I think that's a a value of teaching new books as well as just letting the kids lead the conversation sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, And I think the accountability part is significant as well, that that when you're in a small group, there is a lot more pressure to be accountable and to have prepared for what you're going to be doing than when you're in the whole class. Mm -hmm. So I think, or even in a whole book club, I mean, I think it's much easier to slide under the radar if you know that a lot of other people have read, whereas if you know you're going to be in a pretty intimate discussion about it, then there is some more pressure. And again, I think that's a positive pressure. Mm-hmm. I did want to say that I think that there is there is also value. So if you're listening to this and you have done yeah. full class novels, I also think there's value in having mm-hmm. a common reading experience. Absolutely. Yes. I think that there's there's space for both in the classroom. And I think that um, that it's that it adds to students' experiences to have a common reading experience, but I also think it adds to their experience to have the agency to pick their mm-hmm. their own books. Yeah, I think it's all about balance. Yeah. I do want to say, so one thing that I wish I had done more of, and I did this later in my career, is having having for myself ahead of time the questions, sort of overarching questions that I wanted to ask that would draw those connections. Because when I didn't have those, what happened is everybody just wanted to summarize what happened in their books. Yeah. And maybe I wasn't getting at the reason I chose all those books on the same theme or the same region of the United States or the same format. And so the better I was at knowing what I wanted to get at, why maybe I chose the lit circle options I did, or if it was free choice, okay, why why are we talking about the theme to begin with? It doesn't have to be a lot, but you know, I would go in with five to 10 questions and it just made conversations much richer. I love that just in units in general, just having an anchor, because yeah. I feel like if you're anchored at the beginning about where you're going, I mean, I mm-hmm. think, yeah, that that helps no matter what. So even if it's not a book, if it's short stories or poems or whatever, yeah. whatever unit you're doing, as long as you're anchored, mm-hmm. I always find that if I'm anchored, then I don't kind of, I mean, I think that's true with the podcast yeah. and what yeah. we do here. If we are yeah. not anchored, it's. <laughs> 
It's not a good, it's not a good scene. You may and have listened to some of those episodes. Yeah, and we've gotten a lot better at anchoring what we what we're doing, and yeah. I mean that comes with experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I was thinking about that related to the podcast as well because I think that one of the things that we've learned is that when we make a connection between a book that each of us has selected mm-hmm. and a topic like we did the journey, you know, books that focused or centered on a journey Mm -hmm. for example when we've done that kind we've all found that that really is it stretches us as readers to do that because you're having to make a connection between the characters and plot and those kinds of things that are that all of us are much more comfortable with to this much more abstract and far-reaching concept Mm -hmm. and that's more difficult to do so that's why i mean just to echo what you said jen about the overarching questions the more that the kids can be aware of what the connections are going to be the more they can seek those out in the book and then make these abstract connections that I think are really rich. I mean, I think that you can get even richer discussion sometimes because you have all these different angles on whatever the particular theme or topic Mm -hmm. is that can be really powerful and can speak to a lot of different sides of an issue. Although I agree with you, Sarah, that like, you know, there's a lot of comfort in the commonality of a text Mm -hmm. too. And that there is a feeling of like being able to dig deep. And I mean, control is a big reason that I didn't do more with Mm -hmm. lit circles because it was really terrifying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I also want to shout out Sarah who leads one of the book clubs I'm in and always comes and this is for single books, but always comes with questions that we're going to talk about as a group. And in my other book club, we are much more free flowing. And I will say often in that one, we spend five to 10 minutes talking about the book and then we're done just because we don't have, again, that anchor. I love that term, that anchor. And so I do think if you really want to talk about the book, I think if you just want to get together in your book club and have a good time, that's fine. But I think if you really want to talk about the book, having those questions can help like when everybody's freezing in the moment and doesn't know what to talk about, you it, it's just like in the classroom, you have that the, those questions to spur discussion and for people to respond to. And I will say that the reason that I that I kind of do that in, in our current book club and I and I kind of try to get everybody back on track is because I've been a part of a lot of book clubs mm-hmm. that we do that. We go and we get drinks and we talk about the book for five minutes and then about life for an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. And that is fun. I love a happy hour or a, or a, dis, or a dinner uh-huh. out with my friends. But if I'm going to read a book, I want to be able to discuss it. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, if we're talking about tips for having a book club, I mean, I think that is the thing is that you need to have a clear set of expectations if you're going to do the book if you if you want to truly discuss the book and Mm -hmm. and that's why like I like to read and discuss a book that's why we started the book club and so I want to do that and if if people can come that haven't Mm -hmm. read the book and that's fine but we're going to discuss the book yeah everybody knows that and everybody's really fine with that we have people that come that don't discuss but and don't read but then they just sit there and yeah but they know that yeah. the driving conversation yeah. is going to be about the book and then they can decide right. about that. Yeah. Right. And I think that's really comforting for people to participate in book clubs and to know that. Cause I'm the same. I mean, I'm like, I'm happy to go have a glass of wine yeah. with my friends. I'm happy to do that. But I want to know, right. I want to know that that's what I'm doing. And I think that there, and again, it's that feeling of accountability. I think that book clubs where, you know, you're going to be discussing the book Oh, you're going to feel more. I'm always talking about how I need a little external pressure that you have some more external pressure to 
to do the thing in order to be ready. And I mm-hmm. think, you know, that that's good for everybody who's participating in, in the book club or in the classroom that you know what those expectations are and you know what it's going to yeah. be like when you get there. There's yeah. comfort in that. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love those tips. I think it's helpful to think through some of those things and how you can make it work in the classroom or in a book club mm-hmm. and just having some flexibility because, again, different people, like with a book club, maybe, you know, we might all prefer to read one book and discuss it. I think that was my preference at the mm-hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. But to know different people's preferences and how you might be able to manage that is great. And I just wanted to mention we're going to transition to give me one to wrap up here. But we have thought a lot about this lately. And so we've been trying to put we've made some book flight guides. And those are on our Teachers Pay Teacher store. And we'll be we're making more of them mm-hmm. as we speak. And we have those available for people who are interested in either for book club or for the classroom to just have some common um, some common questions. Mm-hmm. Some We have anticipation guide kind of statements that you can use that would help you to give some structure to what might feel like shaky ground as you're trying to make connections between different books. So we mm-hmm. recommend a series of books that we think would fit well together. And then we have some some activities that go with them. For Give Me One today, we're going to talk about some best books for book club discussions that we would recommend, which I think I might should have thought of a little more ahead of time, but I'm going to buy myself a minute. Jen, do you want to start? Sure. So one book that I had a really interesting, we, we were all in this book club, we talked about John Ronson's The Psychopath Test. Mm, yeah. And I actually think, I've not talked about this in a book club but his book so you've been publicly shamed I also think would be fascinating so both of those are nonfiction, but they take on just these really controversial fascinating topics he has done a large amount of research for both but he tells it in such a way that it's sort of almost built in discussion topics I think you could have a question or topic about each chapter so yeah so the one I'm officially recommending is John Ronson's The Psychopath Test but I also think so you've been publicly shamed would work what about you Sarah uh, so I'm also going to cheat and do two because I can't decide. <laughs> and I'm using uh, two books that I have. we've actually done in, my, in the book club Jen was referencing earlier. The first one is The Sound of Gravel by mm-hmm. Ruth Wariner. We had an excellent conversation about that book. It, was, it is about growing up in a fundamentalist Mormon community and uh, it's a memoir and it is it is really impactful if you liked educated which is a book that we discussed here on our podcast Mm -hmm. i think that you would like the sound of gravel talking about rita likes it's Mm -hmm. they're they're not the same but Mm -hmm. they have some similar themes and then the other one all three of us went to the book club to to discuss and it was also featured on our (laughs) (laughs) books we want to discuss but do not recommend and that is Bryn Greenwood's All the Ugly and Wonderful Things. Mm -hmm. We had a really good conversation about that book at Mm -hmm. book club and we have like a wide variety of ages in our group, I would mm-hmm. say. We have, you know, from 20s up into the six to 60s of women. I mean, we are, we are all white women, but, mm-hmm. so we don't have a lot of diversity that way, but we have some age diversity, and everybody had something interesting to contribute to the conversation. Yeah. So I thought that was a good one, too. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I wish we had listed these ahead of time because <laughs> I definitely wanted to recommend Brent Greenwood. Oh, no. <laughs> and that's just because I, I think, I mean, I would recommend The Reckless Oath we made as well, mm-hmm. just because I think that her books hit on issues in a way that there's a lot to discuss about them. And so I really, and I thought about educated. So I think oh. it's, it's actually kind of fun yeah. to think that we, again, we didn't plan this ahead of time, but it is nice to think that there are some commonalities between the ones that we think do, do make good discussions because yeah. they give us something to dig into. Yeah. And that's what makes it interesting mm-hmm. for a book club, as opposed to just reading it on your own. Well, and I think often when I think about book club, I think about things that push me to learn something outside yeah. of what my the, con- the context of my world has been. And yeah. I think that those things offer, those experiences and stories that I read that are unlike my own offer these mm-hmm. great things to discuss yeah. because it's just, it's so different from my own experience. So yeah. I think all of that kind of is shown in the books that we've chosen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I, Another one that I thought about was John Green's The Fault in Our Stars. But then I actually think I would say Turtles All the Way Down Mm -hmm. would be a really great one for a book discussion. So if you're looking for a YA book pick, I think that his Turtles All the Way Down is just a great book that gets at both teen experience, which I think a lot of us benefit from thinking about that as adults, and also he just does such a great job. We've talked about this before, but just of mental health, exploring Mm -hmm. mental health demonstrating what it is like to be trapped in anxiety and how paralyzing that can be for a character. And I just think that's really well done. So Mm -hmm. I would recommend that one because I think it's different from some of the ones that we talked about, Mm -hmm. but would be good for adults and not just for, um, for young people. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks so much for listening today. We would love to know some read alike ideas that you have and topics that you're interested in discussing. And if you have not yet subscribed on Apple Podcasts. That helps us so much to grow our audience. So we appreciate everybody who has already done that. But if you get a chance to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts specifically, it just helps us grow our audience by reaching more people. So thanks so much for listening. Do you have comments or opinions about what you heard today? We'd love to hear them. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at UnabridgedPod or on the web at UnabridgedPod.com for a list of ways to support us. We'd like to thank Jared Featherstone, who composed our theme music, Strings of Light, and Katie Amy of Amy Photography, our podcast photographer. Thanks for listening to Unabridged.